Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, and we have another great episode in store for you guys. It is the uh, finale of our Christmas holiday season podcast, so that's pretty exciting. We have kind of a special segment in store at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. And then now, CP, how are you doing? Because I know we have one, one week till Christmas, and I know this is like one of your favorite times of the year. Uh, this is one of my totally favorite times of the year. I'm so excited. I just, to all our listeners, I just want to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas, except for you, James Gunn. I hope you get coal and a colonoscopy for Christmas. <laughs> well, don't worry, CP. We're going to get into that. It's one of our topics on this week's show. So hang on to all of that vitriol and all of that passion and let's, uh, let's unleash it in about, you know, five minutes. <laughs> So, yes, to everybody, wanted to say happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Hope you're all having a fantastic holiday season and uh, have an actual fantastic Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So, very excited. I know, CP, I was kind of talking to you about this in the pre-production meeting. I am actually moving. And as everybody on this show saw last week, I was in South Carolina for a week. And I've had a, a just a few you know balls in the air for the holiday season here. And I haven't even put up a Christmas tree this year. That's why you look like you're more prepared for St. Patrick's Day than Christmas. Looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all my stuff is actually, it's like not all, like half of my stuff has moved into my new place. And literally the room I'm in right now, I'm not going to show you guys, but I mean, it's just total boxes and shelves and, and stuff everywhere because we're, we're moving all of our knickknacks and then uh, our big stuff at the end of the week. So yeah, it's been quite a holiday season where, you know, I've had a few good nights, but as overall it's been kind of a weird christmas for me i think it's actually kind of cool because kind of like in miracle on 34th street you apparently are getting a new house for christmas so yeah congrats <laughs> yeah pretty exciting i think uh you know i said friday well for everybody that's uh christmas eve eve so <laughs> that's the day i'm moving so hopefully you know by uh christmas day i'll have a tree set up over there and even if i get to enjoy it for two days uh it's totally worth it <laughs> But all right, let's go ahead and jump into our shout outs for this week. So first up is at The Real Commish. Uh, we posted last week about uh, Total Rewind uh, Christmas Vacation, and he actually just replied, bend over and I'll show you. So <laughs> <laughs> quoting the film, and uh, we always appreciate your comments at The Real Commish. Chris Espinoza uh, responded to a video that you put out, CP, asking who is the best movie, film, TV, Santa Claus. And he said, Alec Baldwin, Rise of the Guardians. Never so, seen it. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, chiming in <laughs> and sending us your pick. Derek Becker actually uh, replied and said, I'm excited to see what your guys list is. And then he did send us a video response with his own response. So if you want, let's go ahead and play that now. Awesome. Well, thanks, Derek. We really appreciate it. Thanks, and that man. was pretty sweet. Yeah, we're we're always happy to if you guys send us any audio uh, recordings with comments and feedback, uh, we can play those during the shout outs on on each week's episode. And if you send us any videos like that video responses, we're more than happy to play them. I think it's great. So thank you so much. And uh, glad, glad to hear what your picks were. So next up is Jenna Kalfayan. And she said, Tim Allen, the Santa Claus, hands down, which I agree. And she said, but I love that they made a series. Is it good? My kids love all three Santa Claus movies, CP, now. So we have them all on all the time. And Tim Allen really does 
nail it. I have to say that Kurt Russell was a great Santa too, but he had his own spin on him. So I actually agree. Those were my mm-hmm. one and two. So yep. I'm right there with you. So thank you for that comment. We really appreciate it. Next up is John Michael Cords. He said Kurt Russell, which I'm assu- assuming is referring to Christmas Chronicles. Christmas Chronicles. So yeah. that's Kurt Russell getting a few mentions. Well done. Yeah. You know, maybe we'll tag him <laughs> in the post. Brad Banaka jumped in and said, do you want to do a review on more, more, more? So CP, what do you think? Let's do it. I'm always up for that. <laughs> All right, Brad. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll get you back on the show, man. It would be, it would be fantastic. I hope you're having a great, great uh, holiday season. So next up, uh, I'm going to throw this one, this shout out over to you, CP. Uh, a shout out to the CSUSM reunion. Tell us a little bit about uh, what happened there. Oh, yes. Went to a little holiday party with Dustin's wife, but no D man. And it was yeah, good. South dude. Carolina. All the, all the people from college got together, had a good time. Talked a lot yeah, of smack awesome. on you. It was actually probably better that you weren't there. Did you get to hang out at Matt Helson's house? Yeah. It's probably the first time anyone's hanged out, uh, has hung out over there. Cause he doesn't have any friends. Well, okay. So I have a question for you, Matt yeah. Helson, two weeks out from Christmas. Did he have a tree up? Did not have a tree up. Did not even I, have oh Christmas lights God. up. That's gross. And do you know the worst part? So there's actually some amazing Christmas light, like community displays in Fullerton in parts yes. of Orange County, Orange, like that whole area. They have a couple good blocks. We, after we went out, we got dinner and we're like, hey, let's go look at some lights. He did not want to look at Christmas lights. God, he's He actually just drove worst. back to his house <laughs> and just ignored everybody. Oh, Matt, we got to get this great. We need to get the grain. We need his heart to grow uh, three sizes. Uh, three sizes? That's not going to do anything. It has to be like 27 sizes. Man, it's <laughs> hates Matt, Christmas. Find, find your Christmas spirit, Matt. So, well, I'm glad you guys had fun, though. I know my wife, Steph, actually said she had a great time. So I'm glad it was a good time, even though I couldn't be there. So next up on my shout outs, I do have to give a personal shout out to Yvette. Congrats on finishing school, finished in the fall semester. So just want to say congratulations and good congratulations. luck on on all your future endeavors and everything you're working on. And then finally, I have to give a huge shout out CP. Uh, don't get mad at me, but I, I have to give a shout out to the Colts who blew a 33 point lead. We oh got to talk gosh. sports for a second. I know this is a movie podcast, but this is the largest blown lead in NFL history. And you and I both happen to be Colts fans. Oh, so <laughs> It was a rough weekend. And the worst part is I know Ryan Weinzettel was at his house just partying it up, just having the best time of his life. Man, I, I could not. I, I don't even know how that's possible. It, again, just talking sports for one second. You could if you're leading 33-0 at half, you could basically just run the ball and there's just not enough time. <laughs> like, I don't even know how that's possible. I Honestly, I just I kind of think the problem's Matt Ryan because it's very reminiscent of that Super Bowl lead that he blew against the Patriots. Well, he's now blown the largest Super Bowl lead, and now he's he's blown the largest lead ever in <laughs> NFL history. So it's just horrible. And Matt Ryan, I <laughs> just Sorry, uh, brush it off, man. I don't know, <laughs> but don't let that happen again. I don't know. I don't know how this is possible. <laughs> How can that? That's what blows my mind is how can one team be so bad for one half, right? I think passing, they only passed for like 43 yards in the first half, the Vikings. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, this shout out should have gone to the Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) 
the shout Probably out should have been a rec- yeah, it should have been a recognition to the Minnesota Vikings. Congratulations. Uh the Colts blew a 33-point lead. So technical difficulties over here. But yeah, how can you be so good for one half and the other team so bad for one I half? Do. And then you absolutely flip. You're like, I- okay, now we're absolutely horrible and they are amazing. Yeah, it's dude, like impossible. I, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm sorry right. I brought it up. It was an emotional roller coaster. Let's just leave it at that. All right. Well, that does it for my shout outs this week. CP, I'll throw it over to you. Anything Only you one I have that you did not mention is to Selena, who DM me, and she said, so we need to have a deep dive discussion about Santa Claus. I listened to the most recent episode, and I do not think Tim Allen should count as an OG Santa. Well, okay. So I do. I actually did watch the Santa Claus on the plane back from South Carolina. And I kind of get what she's talking about because I thought about this too. He like Santa Claus died and then he (laughs) takes over as Santa Claus. So like, I kind of get that where I was thinking to myself about last week's episode. And I was like, well, he's not really like he becomes Santa, but like, he's not Santa. (laughs) You know, the movie kind of posits that like Santa Claus is not any one person. It's whoever has the mantle of Santa Claus at that given time. Fair enough. So that's a good point. That's a good point. I buy that. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that, too, Selena. So, hey, uh, thanks for bringing it up. But more importantly, I'm glad to hear you were listening and hopefully you're enjoying (laughs) the show. So thank you very much. And Merry Christmas. (sighs) All right. Well, it's been exactly five minutes so it's time to unleash the passion and i'm going to throw this over to cp i'm not even really going to introduce the topic i want to hear your thoughts because it's a big deal in fandom and the internet is a blaze so cp take it away wow um well maybe we should just give james gunn a shout out because his ability (laughs) to mobilize and infuriate people is really quite admirable um, so for those of you who, um, aren't nerds like me or don't care about DC comics or just <laughs> aren't on Twitter, um, what we're referring to is the newly, um, created fire James gun movement, which has taken the internet by storm. And yes, it's it really quite fascinating when you look at social media because wow. Um, I mean, the only two people I can think who had, who received the level of hate well, three that received the level of hate of James Gunn now are like Putin, Elon Musk, <laughs> Tom Brady, and now James Gunn. Like you guys are in like a club of your entire like own. And it's really blows my mind. So let's unpack what's happened here a little bit. Okay. Um, almost a month ago to the day, DC Comics announced that Henry Cavill was going to be coming back as Superman, and the world was ecstatic. Fans everywhere finally rallied around DC, which has had a very tumultuous relationship with their fandom for mm-hmm. the last five or six years. Yeah, And finally, fans were united and thrilled that DC was not only listening to fans, but doing what fans were, were advocating for, which was taking the 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 very fragmented dc universe and what looked like the cohesive direction can you believe honestly that it's been like eight to ten years we're at the end of nolan's batman and we got man of steel and the future was so bright for dc and they just dropped the ball like repeatedly 
Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know what goes on at Warner Brothers in DC, but it is literally the worst run organization. I mean, with the exception of maybe the Indianapolis Colts, they're probably the worst <laughs> run organization ever. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I think maybe the absolute peak was probably it's a, you know, peak slight valley and then another peak. It was the Dark Knight. And then when they cast the Justice League, when they before Batman versus Superman came out, they had made kind of the announcements of who were going to be playing the key roles in Justice League. And everybody was I, I remember on cloud nine, it was like, we cannot wait. And we'd already had the Avengers. So we were like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And man. Well, and, and I think. So when we really look at, so I still never got to the point. What's recently happened is since coming on board, Gunn and Peter Saffron have announced that not only are they firing Henry Cavell, but they are essentially liquidating everything. Jason Momoa is gone. Gal Gadot is gone. Zachary Levi is gone. Ben Affleck, who was gone, is still gone. The Rock? Gone. Ray Fisher, gone. That's the entire Justice League gutted, packed up, and sent away. And the really disconcerting thing about it, I think, for fans is the fact that not only were a number of these characters supposed to appear in the upcoming Flashpoint movie and have been removed, but there is still an Aquaman 2 movie starring Jason Momoa and a Shazam 2 movie starring Zachary Levi that you're expecting fans to see, even though you have essentially told them that the actors will not be returning and those movies are total dead ends. There's nothing more to come from them. Yeah, that and I think that the fandom is taking it a little personal because the fandom also likes a majority of those castings for those roles. Um, and that to me stands out as something that the fandom is like, listen, if you want to reboot, you know, from the Snyderverse, do it. But you can keep the same actors. Well, we, you know, we're not idiots over here. Like, it's fine. But like. Well, Henry was not the problem as Superman. Like no one's saying like, Hey, this guy needs to go and we need to reboot this. They're like, we could do a reboot, but like, we love this guy in the role. In fact, some of the early rumors coming out right after the recast was we're going to keep Henry Cavell. We're going to make a man of steel too. It's not going to be part of this cohesive Snyder verse that fans have been advocating for, but we're going with what you like, which is, I mean, let's let's take a step back at the whole birth of the DCU. Like Zack Snyder directed Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. But who was the writer and the producer of Man and Steel? Christopher Chris. Nolan. Yeah, I was going to say it was one of the Nolans. And it was a well-made movie. It was well-received by fans. In fact, when you look at the box office success of the initial kind of the, those first three or four movies that came out, they despite mixed reviews from fans were financially successful for Warner brothers. Yeah. I think no, the they real, made a lot of money. The real problem that they ran into was kind of after the fact, when we realized the whole disaster, that was the weeding cut, how much had really been cut out of the movie. Then we find out everything that Warner brothers cut out of Batman versus Superman. And I think that was sort of the tipping point. And that's why fans started demanding this, the Snyder cut because they realized, Hey, There was actually a cohesive story here. There was a director who had a vision. Like, we liked where things were going. We never got that. Once Warner Brothers made the mistake to cave to the fans and give them the Snyder Cut, they opened this door, which is, okay, fans are demanding a say in this universe. And the problem is, Warner Brothers keeps kind of giving them a little bit, but not enough. 
And yeah, right? like Black Adam is a perfect example. They have the post credit scene and Henry Cavill walks out as Superman and they'd all, they made the announcement that, hey, he's back. And the fans are like, yes, thank you. We love it. This was amazing. Yeah. What a great post credit yeah. scene. It's great to see him in the role again. And then less than a month later, they're like, just kidding. He's gone. And, and if you look at over the last five years, Warner Brothers has never had a consistent talking point. Every six months, oh, we're doing this now. It's going in this direction. We're bringing this director in. We're firing this director. This showrunner is going to come in and run the whole thing. Wait, we're scrapping that. And I think all that fans want is, one, you got to it. The casting of the original Justice League is great. You have some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. They seem to like their characters. They seem to embody the roles and embrace them. And the other thing is, I think fans are just looking for, look, the Snyder vision of this Snyderverse set up with a very interesting story and it was going someplace and fans just, I think want some sort of conclusion to that. You know, I think Fair. in the same way, if we watched the MCU and we saw phase one and phase two, and at the end of age, age of Ultron, Disney cut everything and said, screw it. We're going back to the basics. We're getting new actors and we're starting over. Marvel fans would be really pissed off too. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're going to have to do a longer episode on the Snyderverse. It'll probably be the Snyderverse. That'll be the episode title. <laughs> you know, I think, too, that like once you see those uh, deleted scenes and other cuts of what Zack Snyder was going for here, he's, he's telling a story where the superheroes are almost gods. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Marvel is telling a story of seemingly the everyman. I mean, not the everyman. I mean, like, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark is a billionaire, but like just, you know, kind of a guy who acquires these kind of powers. And yeah. Zack Snyder's playing in this kind of different sandbox with these gods and all this stuff. And once I think the other cuts came out, the fans really rallied behind that narrative, too. Yeah. That this isn't, you know, uh, just a carbon Marvel. copy of the yeah. MCU. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a carbon copy. You're like, oh, okay, there really is, they're doing something here thematically that actually does kind of work if Zack Snyder was given the freedom. It just seemed like somewhere along the way, which I'm assuming it's around Batman v Superman, Warner Brothers was like, we need to make this more like Marvel. Well, and, and I mean, and we've talked about it, and the Batman v Superman theatrical release is actually 45 minutes shorter than the Batman v Superman ultimate cut, which is what Snyder envisioned. And that 45 minutes is a lot of characterization and story, and they are totally different films when you watch them back to back. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here, and I'm not saying that, like, oh, Zack Snyder's Justice League or Batman vs. Superman are, you know, modern masterpieces, right? I think they do have their flaws, but I do think thematically there is a story that's being told throughout, and for whatever reason, Warner Brothers just kept flip-flopping on what they wanted to do and how they wanted to approach the whole thing. And it's looked, you know, a lot like kind of Star Wars at the movies where it was yeah. like, do you guys have a plan at all? Are you just like making movies just because like this should have some cohesion. It should be going somewhere. Right. We know you're making a trilogy. Those three movies should be connected. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And I think so getting back to the issue of James Gunn, what's the problem? And I think why are fans really pissed? I don't even think it's the fact that he dismissed Henry Cavell. I don't think it's the fact that he wanted to reboot. I think it comes down to, as it does in many of these instances, the way that it was done. The sure. first tweets that went out from Gunn and Saffron were, hey, we're going to sit down. We're going to look at what worked. 
what was successful we're going to keep what wasn't we're going to we're going to scrap which when you look at the numbers all of the you know aquaman you know wonder woman uh batman v super those were financially successful films in fact the biggest blunder financially as for the dcu was actually the suicide squad written and directed by james gunn which according to gunn <laughs> is the only thing that he wants to keep so there's a little bit of nepotism here which i think rubs people the wrong way oh, that's um funny. the other thing is they said we are going to listen to the fans in this matter which when you look at the the kind of uh, impassioned Warner Brothers, you know, DC fan community in the internet, their problem has been the fact that they just wanted people at the higher levels of DC who heard the fans. The issue with Toby Emmerich and Walter Hameda when they were in charge was the fact the fans are saying, look, we're telling you what you want, want and you two insist on doing the opposite. And yeah. so when Gunn came in and everyone was like, cool, we have a guy who says he's on the side of the fans. He wants to listen yeah, to him. Kevin Feige of DC. Yeah, yeah. The first decision you make is to do the complete opposite of what the fandom wants. That's not really a smart business move. Yeah, and the fallout is still happening. I, I just read earlier today that apparently The Rock uh, unfollowed the Black Adam account. I mean, he's very, very upset. I think he was incredibly excited to uh, be a part of the you know, DCEU. And to that end, he worked very hard to get the Henry Cavill post credit scene with Superman in the film because he was excited. He wanted to do Black Adam versus Superman. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Shazam's in there somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know. It was exciting. I think he, he had a vision for what he wanted to do. And I'm sure behind the scenes, people are like, yeah, that's great. Like, let's see if we can make it happen. And then to just have, you know, a total kind of clean slate, like, hey, all those ideas are gone. In fact, we don't even know if you're still going to play Black Adam. I don't even know if we're going to have Black Adam. Well, you know, you're like, like yeah. what the hell? Right. Like, I signed on. I thought this was going to be like a whole, like, you know, a shared universe. And we were going to get solo movies and team up movies and battle movies. And it was going to be a whole thing. And now you're just telling me like it's over. No. And again, right. Biggest star in the world wants to be playing a superhero and you're telling him no blows my mind. I think the other thing is the last kind of piece of this is Gunn has come out and said it all starts with Superman, which I think most DC fans agree with. And I think people feel sure. that the Superman thing really needs to be set on the, you know, as the kind of primary storyline and, and really needs to be cemented first. But the problem here is James Gunn came out and said, hey. I'm going to write a new Superman. I'm rebooting it and I'm writing it and I'm at the helm. And I think the other problem for a lot of fans is they want someone in a Feige role who can write the ship and then hand it off to talented filmmakers, writers, directors, producers to execute. And this is becoming the James Gunn sandbox and he doesn't want to share his toys. And I think that's really rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Fair enough. And I do agree too, that I think Superman is the starting point. You know, I think, He's such an interesting character in that he is somewhat all-powerful, right? Like, you know, even you look at the Justice League movie, like at the end when he comes back and, spoiler alert, can, you know, dominate <laughs> Steppenwolf. I think the big thing that I, I guess, the point that I want to make with this whole James Gunn conversation, and I want to throw two points back to the audience and get your feedback. So let us know what you think. The first thing is the concept of Flashpoint. There's a Flashpoint movie coming out in... 2013 or <laughs> 2023 
Sorry, 10 years <laughs> off. 2013. Why is James Gunn not treating it in the same way that we saw Fox treat Days of Future Past? The story of Flash, Flashpoint alone is a perfect way to kind of give a soft reboot, allowing fans to say goodbye to the actors they love in the Justice League and introducing new ones without going through this hard, bloody, solid reboot. That's my first question. Why do it now as opposed to wait six months and do it naturally as part of the universe? My yeah, last question. That's that's an important that's an important point too, because when you do that, it makes it feel like all the investment in the prior iteration of the franchise was all worth it. Right? When you just hard reboot, it's like, oh, so like, you know, none of that actually mattered. Right? Right. Yeah. And I think with X-Men and then again with Spider-Man, they were able to do that in a way that rewarded the fans who were along for the whole journey. And when that's that's literally what it is. If you do it right, it rewards the fans. Thank you for tuning in and watching. We appreciate it. Even though we're going to change direction, uh, the fact that you guys came along with us was great. Right. And I guess the second question I have to bring up is the film... Brightburn, which was James Gunn, James Gunn, uh, James Gunn uh, created. Is that Will Smith? No, 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 no. That's Bright. James okay. Gunn created, and it starred Elizabeth Banks, a horror film based on the Superman lore. Kid lands in Kansas, alien kid, except he's evil. And in fact, my understanding <laughs> is it actually really ticked off a number of people within the DC and Warner Brothers building at the time. And they actually tried to sue James Gunn is my understanding. What I don't understand is why does a guy who apparently hates Superman and made a movie about a bad Superman now in charge of rebooting the franchise and this character that people love? I don't get it. Maybe you do. Yeah, I mean to the listeners let's hear your thoughts i don't really know the answer to that question like i don't know if james gunn truly hates superman or if he was you know just kind of uh toying around with the legal boundaries that you can regarding <laughs> uh ip so it's hard to say but yeah i mean i think at the end of the day james gunn the fans simply want to feel like not that they're a part of the process per se they're always going to have their input. They're going to let you know whether they like or dislike something and you can adjust accordingly. It's not that fans want to be a part of the process, but they want to be rewarded for taking the ride. And I think that's really where when you just hard reboot it, you say, these guys are done. They're not going to get any sort of conclusion. We're never going to wrap that up. Fans are kind of like, well, you know, do I want to invest again? It seems like you guys already messed it up once. I don't know. No, I totally agree. So we'll see. I mean, you know, it's weird because you could go back to the old way of doing superhero franchises, which is not necessarily Marvel's current way of having a shared universe. You could go back to like, no one did a trilogy of Batman films and you could just have a new trilogy of Batman films too. Like you don't always have to do the shared universe thing. Um, that's fun in a unique way that, you know, has never been toyed around with before on the big screen. But still, like, I mean, if you have better stories that can be best served in, you know, a different format, we could return to that as well. So I don't know what they're going to do. Well, they don't seem to know what they're going to do either. And that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. 
So anyway, that does take us into our second topic for this week, which is still on the topic of tentpole blockbusters. And for anybody that, you know, has been paying attention, this last weekend was the release or the release of the sequel to the biggest movie of all time. And that's Avatar The Way of Water. So Avatar having grossed close to $3 billion after re-releases and everything, which is insanely impressive because I don't even know only like what two, maybe three or four movies have reached 2 billion at all. Yeah. It's insane. Insane. So definitely, you know, an acknowledgement to the success of the original avatar, but CP, I want to throw it over to you. What, what do you, what are your expectations now that we've gone through kind of opening weekend? Have, have you seen avatar the way of water? No, I've not seen it yet. Yeah, I have not either. Now, I'm going to chalk that up to traveling, but I'll also get into that in a second. But I want to throw it over to you. You know, what what are your kind of expectations for Avatar and do you think it can live up to those expectations? So first, let me give you a couple numbers here. Okay, let's do it. Opening weekend, Avatar The Way of Water took in $134 million. Now, the pre-weekend kind of... Uh, expectations for the movie were closer to 150 million so it did come in below the uh preview expectations now for reference uh we talked about this a few weeks ago black panther black panther wakanda forever did about 180 million opening weekend so avatar didn't even do as well as black panther wakanda forever and i'm using that as a a point because now we're in like that same time okay right yeah because, for instance, the original the original Avatar opening weekend did seventy seven million. So, which side note? I can't even believe this note, but this is James Cameron's first one hundred million dollar opening weekend for wow. any movie. That's insane. James Cameron. That's crazy. Wow, that me. blows my mind. I mean, you have shoot Terminator, Terminator Two, Aliens Two, Avatar, Titanic. I mean, the guy has some of the highest grossing films of all time, but apparently yeah. not on opening weekend. Wow. So that actually, the reason I say that though, is because that bodes well for hopefully if James Cameron is correct and this plays out like his other movies, it will make money over time. But I want to throw it over to you. What do you, what were your expectations for avatar? The way of water. Do you think it even had a shot at being comparable to the first one? And do you think coming in a little low on the expectations is a bad sign? Well, I think it's really weird. Um, for one, it's been what almost fourteen years since yeah, I think it was two thousand nine. Yeah, since that the right? original yeah. Avatar was released. Um, that seems like a really long time for a sequel. And I think one of the risks that you run is people may not have seen the movie recently. They might not really remember it. They're not invested in the franchise in the same way as if this came out three years ago, and we've been waiting with anticipation since then you know, we'd be really excited about it. Um, I haven't heard a lot of buzz from my, you know, from the moviegoers that I know in my circle, everyone's intending to see it. You know, this is one of those movies like the original Avatar or Top Gun Maverick or, you know, Fury Road, where everyone assumes you have to see it in the theater to experience the spectacle of what it is. Sure. But I don't think a lot of people are burning with the same anticipation that they are with a lot of the other major releases that have come out in recent years. Yeah. I mean, the box office as it is today and more, you know, with slight, you know, kind of putting a line somewhere uh, pre pandemic was, you know, these tentpole tentpole blockbuster movies 
need to do really well on opening weekend because the diminishing returns were, you know, that was a steep decline. Yeah. And so James Cameron movies all the way back to, you know, Terminator, Titanic and the original Avatar have all had longevity in the theaters. He's created experiences that a people wanted to go see again and again. And B, like you said, for those who weren't able to catch it opening weekend, still fe- people still felt compelled to go to the theater to see it. it. His movies were not, let's wait for home video, or in yeah. this case, streaming. It is a bit of an experience to see it in the theater, and home home viewing just can't do that justice. You know, a perfect example, like you said, Top Gun Maverick. I went over to Matt Helson's house, and when I got there, he was like, hey, I saw that uh, Top Gun is actually out on streaming now. So he's like, I'll buy the movie and we could just go pick up a pizza and we can watch it here at my house. And I was like, Matt, you know what? I'm really going to throw it out there. I think we should go to the theater. Like, <laughs> I think we should go see this movie on the big screen because I think it's way better in that setting. And mm-hmm. to be fair, I hadn't seen Top Gun in streaming. So maybe it's still great. You guys can all <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. But I just feel like there's certain movies that if you're in the theater, you're in the dark room, uh, you're sharing the experience with the other people around you i mean a movie can really be bigger than uh just the movie and hopefully that's what avatar is because i'm still looking forward to seeing it myself i have not seen it either but the other thing i would like to note about avatar is that the first avatar ushered in the era of 3d and to this day probably stands as maybe the only film that was ever actually released in 3d worthy of the experience true absolutely absolutely so We also have to acknowledge that while Avatar kind of really got people excited for 3D experiences, they have virtually disappeared. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 3D TVs that were sold in Best Buy, no more. Nobody wants a 3D TV. 3D movies, higher ticket prices, nobody wants to pay it because the experience is generally lackluster. Avatar being the only movie that really felt like it was enhanced by the 3D experience. Most movies just could not uh, deliver on that goal which is watching it in 3d is better absolutely i am curious if this one can deliver that sort of viewing experience because like you said if i go see it in 3d and then i come back and you haven't seen it or you know screw it i got a podcast i can talk to the world you know (laughs) i would love to come back and say like hey listen for everybody that's thinking i'm gonna wait for this to come out on disney plus or you know, I'm not going to pay the extra to go see it in 3D. My hope is that when I do, because I'm going to see it in 3D, I do hope that I can come back and be like, no, you got to go to the theater and you got to see it in 3D because there's just no no other viewing experience that can do a movie like this justice. And that's my hope for the movie. Uh, you know, early reviews, you know, and even the first Avatar kind of suffered from this. The story was all right. You know, I I don't you don't hear a lot of people that are like, oh, my God, Avatar's story is just gold. You're like, it's I mean, it's kind of like Pocahontas dances with wolves. dances with been done a hundred times. Yeah. You know, you're like, but the thrill of Avatar is the uh, sci fi tech future getting to explore the uh, planet Pandora and getting immersed in the culture of the planet, the Navi. And so that's what separates it from Dances with Wolves and Pocahontas. Sure, it may be uh, somewhat of an iterative story, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think, you know, when you take a story class, there's, you know, how many? Nine or, you know, (laughs) nine nine variations that just constantly get, you know, recycled and 
kind of tweaked and everything. So I don't necessarily fault that per se. It's just the second one, it's been so long that it almost can't just be Avatar 2. Well, the same kind of thing. You're like, it has to take it up a notch. It has to go up a notch because if it doesn't, you're going to, I'll come back and be like, listen, I mean, honestly, if you've seen the first Avatar, then you've seen it. That would be awful. The other, the other question that I, you know, and we always come back to this when we talk about sequels, why does this movie need to be made? The first Avatar did not end with any sort of unexplored character arcs. There weren't any lasting questions. Like as an audience, it was very wrapped up in a bow. And I think waiting 15 years for a story that we weren't necessarily clamoring for. Yeah, I think is kind of a risk just in the sense that, you know, we don't need to see it. Well, and there it is worth noting again, another note is there's, I think, four planned sequels. So this is the first of four. So I'm not sure exactly, again, haven't seen the movie. And if you have, feel free to uh, shoot us a message and spoil it, which will get us to uh, go see the movie. And <laughs> we won't read your comments on there. But in essence, yeah, you have to wonder, how does this kick off? kind of a movie series because the first one while it kind of set the stage i mean if you did just close the book right there uh it's a great ending yeah yeah you're like okay the navi won the humans are returning to earth and essentially you know i think avatar is like a story of family and they found their family so yeah, yeah. i thought it, it worked but yeah i'm curious as to like hey you take a look at something like marvel say the infinity saga right after avengers they show thanos they kick off the idea that we all know which is they're gonna collect the infinity stones and we're gonna get infinity war it's going somewhere i'm curious what this movie can do to be like hey the next three are absolutely worth it because here's the journey we're going on no i totally agree and it's i guess we'll see once we see the movie well, okay, so I have one final point, and I think you'll agree with me on this. Uh, in down. James Cameron, in James Cameron, we trust. So <laughs> uh, him alone being at the helm and, you know, making another movie is enough for me to be like, I'm going. No, I like, this I, guy has created some, uh, some of the highest grossing movies and some absolute classics in the history of cinema. Yep. And to that end, even though this is a sequel, I mean, God damn it. If Terminator 2 wasn't better than Terminator well, and 1. And you're right. And I mean, this is a sandbox. <laughs> this is a this is a sci-fi movie pushing the edge of visual effects technology. And that's what he's done for his entire career. So, yeah, like you know. I, I look at Terminator 2. And in essence, if you just strip away some of the sci-fi elements really quickly, it's like one giant chase scene. <laughs> and yet James Cameron knocks it out of the park. I mean, it's the most fun exhilarating chase scene you know that probably the only other movie that has come close is probably like mad max fury road (laughs) probably right (laughs) which is like a giant chase scene so i mean even if he's using simplistic kind of uh you know iterative story elements if james cameron does his james cameron thing i still think it has a chance to be absolutely stunning and outstanding absolutely right no you're absolutely right about that so and i will see in the theaters audience listeners i will be there i'm I'm not even doubting for a second that i'll make it i'm just uh 
I think earlier I kind of alluded to the fact that I'm like, listen, if I was in South Carolina and this was The Force Awakens, I would have been like, screw it, all my SoCal friends. I'm going to the theater alone at midnight to go see Star Wars in South Carolina. And I don't even feel guilty. <laughs> like, I'm going to be there. But I didn't do that. And so to me, that's the one element of like, you know, hey, is it enough of a draw to get kind of casual people, not me, but casual people to take action and yeah. go see it in the theater? Yeah. Because, yeah, if it was a Star Wars movie, I don't think I would have hesitated. I would have found the time. <laughs> and so, but I am excited too, because it's going to be the holiday break and everything. So I'm sure people are going to hit the theaters. Maybe I'll go on, you know, Christmas day. I'll go Christmas day in the evening. <laughs> well, I guess we'll be talking about it soon. Cause I'm planning to go check it out as well. All right. Well, any of our listeners, like I said, uh, if you do leave comments and you put spoilers, we will not be sharing that. But if you do want to <laughs> let us know about the experience of Avatar The Way of Water, let us know what your thoughts are, spoiler free, and uh, we'll be sure to share that and maybe comment on them if by next episode, CP and I have both seen the movie, So, which I am looking forward to. I love going to the theater, man. There's just, man, like getting to go see Top Gun Maverick in the theater I don't know. Like my expectations were relatively low. Not, not that I didn't think the movie would be good. I just didn't think it would hit any of the highs that it hit. No, it's amazing. And damn it. And I mean, like people even said to me, they're like, D man, like it was pretty basic. Like it was basically just like the star Wars trench run. And I was like, yeah, in my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> so if you're going to copy anything, copy the best. And I was like, damn, it. it's just as exhilarating as star Wars. So well done. No, that's but true. Total thrill in the theater. So, okay, we're going to switch gears here and we're going to go back into a little bit of the uh, holiday spirit on the podcast, but we're going to do something a little bit different this week. We're not doing uh -oh. a total rewind or a movie remake time. This week, we are going to do some Christmas movie trivia. Ooh, so, okay, okay. So it's a little fun for us because obviously, as a listener to this show, you can guess along with us, but CP and I both went. Now, we might have some overlapping questions because we can't compare. <laughs> because I'm not supposed to know what questions you picked and which questions I picked. So, but we are going to read some trivia questions back and forth for Christmas movies, and we will try to guess the answers. So Ooh. I have a couple that I think they're gimmies, and then a couple that I'm like, I'm looking for very specific answers. To people. Ooh, all right. This might be hard. <laughs> you put me on so the spot. You, how do you want to do this? You want to ricochet back and forth or? Let's do it. All right. So you start us off. Oh, I'm going to start us off. Okay. All right. Well, this should be. You know what? I'll start with a real easy one. Okay. All right. So in what popular 1990s Christmas film can Miracle on 34th Street be seen playing on the kitchen TV? Home Alone. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He's got that little TV. You know, that's something I actually grew up with. My next door neighbors, the Shulas actually had a little TV, probably a slightly, I mean, it's probably like two of my phone screens. And then it was like really long. And they had that in their kitchen. They would just have like the news or the parade or something on. I was always like, I love that. I want that in my own house. Now that I'm going to my own place, maybe I'll do it. I'll get like a little screen and just <laughs> set it up in my kitchen. Shout okay. out Matt Shula. Shout out Shula. Hope you're doing well. Happy holidays. All right. So this is based on the movie Elf. Question is, which character in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is Buddy the Elf's green costume modeled after? 
So, and it, it is almost identical, which, and I know you saw the, uh, what is it? The movies that made us. So I yeah. know you would know this answer. Yeah. 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 I, um, and when I, I say re- it, you'll be like, oh. I don't remember the name, but it's the elf guy. It's the yeah. same like elf design that they stole for the Honda commercials. Yeah. And it's, he has like the blonde hair or whatever. So like, like Headley or something. Oh, you're so close, dude. You're so close. What is it? It is Hermie. Oh yeah. Okay. Hermie the elf. Well done. That was pretty close. I mean, you, I know, you know, if that was the closest you got, I know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) deep down you're like, Oh yes. All right. Yep. Totally. Totally. Remember now. Okay. All right. This one I think is a little harder. So, okay. Christmas story. One of your favorite movies. One of your favorite Christmas movies. Do you know who was initially offered the role of Ralphie's father, the old man, which was actually played by Darren McGavin. But do you know who was originally offered the role? Uh, I do not. I mean, I could just guess like a big name actor of the time. I mean, I'll take a shot at it like Robert De Niro. No, but kind of close. Jack Nicholson really yeah oh wow i that might have changed the movie oh totally would have changed the movie <laughs> i don't know jack has a, a slight he has a slight edge you know yeah right. i can't see that in like a like a like a wholesome family classic you know yeah after the shining with him in the snow i think that's all i can picture <laughs> between the shining and chinatown i cannot see the old man <laughs> and i think i mean to his credit darren, darren mcgavin Totally knocked it out of the park. Yeah. He he is the old man. Okay. So, question from Home Alone. Okay. What is the name of Gus Polinsky, John Candy's polka band? Oh, it's the Kenosha Kickers. Well done. Now, I have a follow-up <laughs> question to this. All right. What are the hit songs by the Kenosha Kickers that he lists in the film? Um, Which is basically a quote. Yeah, there's... Um... Poka poka poka. Yeah. Uh like Damadbuji Poka, aka Poka Twist. And yes, Kiss Me Poka. Uh the other one is Twin Lakes Poka. Oh, Twin Lakes Poka. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. You actually got the other three though. <laughs> poka poka poka. Okay, great job. Sold about 300 copies of that. Yeah. yeah. Very big in Sheboygan. Where? Chicago? No, Sheboygan. <laughs> Very big in Sheboygan. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What do you got for me? Um, okay. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. How many okay. Oscar nominations did It's a Wonderful Life earn? Two. Five. Wow, really? Yeah. Can you name? Did you know that? No, I, I I don't know what they are. But I mean, did you know? I didn't know this, but It's a Wonderful Life as an actual screenplay and a movie is considered one of the greatest movies. Yeah, I, I know it is. And it was a total flop at the time. But yeah, it yeah was I didn't. Of, I did not know that. OK, what are they? Best picture, best actor, best director, best sound and best film editing. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And did it win any? I don't think it won any of them. I think it was just nominated. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. Okay. All right. Here's one that I, I want a specific answer. Okay. And I think you'll just have to just right. think about it for a sec. A Christmas story. 
who gives Ralphie the rabbit pajamas for Christmas? Oh shoot. Um Yeah, this one's a it's a specific answer. Is it like Aunt Irma? Oh, you're close again. Oh, wait, say another one. You're close. Aunt Edna? It is Aunt Clara. Clara. Oh. What am I Dude, you're like Edna? you're like right on these variations. If I'm like, I know you know it. Aunt Clara. Yeah, that's right. She always gives you the best gift. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Go upstairs uh, and put um, that on right now. Okay. <laughs> this is from an actual movie we talked about a few episodes ago. There's an unscripted moment in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay. And actually in it, Chevy Chase, uh, it resulted in Chevy Chase breaking his finger. Ooh, do I actually do. I know this story. Go. I do know this story. Um. I remember reading about this in Christmas trivia that I used to do for the IBC podcast. So okay. way back in the day, do it. and it is when he, he punches the Santa Claus when the lights don't turn on. Yep. You're absolutely right. Good job. Yeah. Mike, Good job. Mikey got me on that. Shout out Mike, Michael Cone. He uh, got me on that one. So I was like, Ooh, I don't know. That was like, I remember one time we were doing trivia and Hellison asked me, he's like, what does ATAT stand for in star Wars? And I was like, Oh shit. But I know it. I was like, all-terrain armored transport. But the fact that he, oh, that just irked me that he got me. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I'm a Star Wars guy. Like, And he just put me on the spot. So, <laughs> yeah, that one I did know because I've had that come my way in trivia before. Nice. All right. Here's a fun one from Elf. Okay. What are Buddy the Elf's four food groups? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um, candy. Candy one, canes, two candy corns, three and syrup. Four, you nailed it. Well done. I watched it like two <laughs> days ago. <laughs> oh, that's well, else we yeah, we have four food groups: candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. <laughs> um, okay. How about this one? What distinction does the song "White Christmas" hold? Hmm. If I had to guess, I mean, that's kind of a vague trivia question. Is it the only, did it win the Oscar for best song? Is it the no. only Christmas movie? Okay. It's, it's in Guinness. It's in Guinness. I'll give you that hint. I was going to say, is it the only Christmas song or like theme or a, a song from a Christmas movie to win an Oscar? That would be my guess. No, it is actually, it holds the Guinness record for the best selling Christmas single of all time. Okay. Got it. I, you know, White Christmas is actually my mom's favorite Christmas song. It's a good song. So, Great song. That it is. All right, let's see. We need another one here. Oh, this is fun because we were talking about Avatar. How much money did Home Alone make on its opening weekend? And you're just going to have to guess. I mean, uh, I, I, <laughs> I would assume you haven't been studying. 1990. Uh, $20 million. You're, I'm going to give it to you. It's actually 17 million, but that's, right. you know, that. that's a ballpark. Yeah. I think that's a win. So, and if anybody was curious, uh, domestically home alone during its run made 285 million and worldwide 476 million, wow. which at the time, another Guinness book world record that was eventually broken by, I believe the hangover, but it was the highest grossing live action comedy of all time. Holy cow. And it's still yes. amazing. <laughs> yeah it's still great and it holds up so i'm like yeah i think it was broken i think it was 
the hangover that broke that. Okay. So, so I'm going to actually do a follow-up to my white Christmas question from before. So okay. other than the movie white Christmas, uh, Bing Crosby sings the song white Christmas in two other movies. Can you name one of them? Ooh, hang on, hang on. Um, and when you say he sings, it, it, you mean it's just a song in the movie? Like no, I mean, he soundtrack? actually sings it in like front of the camera. Like, oh, for the movie. Yeah. Um, hang on, hang on. I'm going back through like, when did White Christmas come out? The 60s? I think it was like 54, 55, uh, 54. Um, no, you're going to have to name them. I don't okay. know. So one is Holiday Inn from 42. Okay. And the second was Blue Skies from 46. And I have no idea. I've never seen Blue Skies. Have seen Holiday Inn, though. Okay. Yeah, that was going to be tough. That was a tough one for me. Yeah. Old school. So, all right. Let's go back. Uh, in the movie Elf, who was originally suggested to play the role of Jovi? Now, you just have to know this. It's not common knowledge. But I'm asking you because you do have an opinion on this person. Ooh, someone I have an opinion of. Um, then I'm going to say Jessica Alba because I have a very high oh. opinion of Jessica Alba. <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, I wasn't going for that opinion, but it was actually, uh, Katie Holmes. Ooh. So who I know you feel strongly about yeah. and begins and getting yeah. recast. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, so. Okay. What Christmas movie did Peter Billingsley executive produce? Now, I'm going to exclude from this A Christmas Story Christmas because I believe he was a producer, executive producer on that as well. Okay. And so it's a what Christmas other movie. Christmas movie. Yes. I am going to guess Elf because I know he's friends with uh, John Favre and Vince Vaughn. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to guess Elf. Good guess. He does he, uh, make a cameo in Elf, but no, it is actually Four Christmases, which has John Favre and Vince Vaughn in it. Okay, so I was I was close. I was you were in the track. same ballpark. It's the same group of guys. Okay, cool. All right, let's see. This one I think you'll know. Uh, who plays Rusty, Clark Griswold's son in Christmas Vacation? Which Ooh. it's kind of funny because I know this and I was like, oh, shoot, I did not ever think about it. But when you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, it's totally him. And I will say this. I'll give you a hint. He stars in a popular sitcom in the 2000s. I have no idea because isn't Rusty in the first one, Anthony Michael Hall? Yes. Who also then went on to star in a number of uh, it, before this and after, I think, a bunch of John Hughes films. Yeah, I have no it idea. Was like, uh, it is actually Johnny Galecki. So, yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. my gosh. If you see him, you're like, oh, my God, it is him. It's him. I can totally see that now. I can't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was. Yeah, that's a funny <laughs> piece of trivia. That is funny, dude. I had no idea. Um, Let me see. If we have any more here. You got any questions? Yeah, I got one. All right. All right. Let's this do is it. kind of adjacent to a Christmas story. Do you know what year? 
the novel in God We uh, Trust, All Others Pay Cash was initially published? Um, I'm guessing. Uh, so the movie came out in, what, 83. I'm going to guess 68. That's actually incredibly close. I had no idea, and I've read the book. 66. Oh, okay. So, so close. Let, we'll give it to you. I mean, that's like within the five-year rounding window there for, for dates. <laughs> I mean, it was just a guess. I don't know. No, solid. Good guess. All right. Now, this one's kind of interesting, but kind of cool. So where was the iconic scene at the end of Elf where the cast members sing Santa Claus is Coming to Town filmed? Um, I would think Central Park, but... You're correct. <laughs> they actually filmed that on location. That's pretty cool. Which, for a Hollywood movie, you know, I mean, if you actually watch the scene, you're like, that could easily be a back lot. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's but true. But they, they actually did they that. They actually in, went there and did it in Central New York Park. City. Yeah, it said huh. it was uh, 6th Avenue and Central Park South in New York City, which is pretty cool. Now I'm always going to watch that and be like, oh, man, that's actually New York. That's right outside of Central Park. Um. All right. What Game of Thrones stars star makes an appearance in the movie Elf? Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, you got. Yeah, come on. It's Miles Finch. Yeah. The Miles Finch. <laughs> He's a, and he nails that character too. Oh, it's amazing. He's hilarious. He's actually a great actor. Okay, I got another one from Christmas Vacation. Okay. What are the names of the neighbors in Christmas Vacation? Mm, mm. I I knew their first names. I did not know their last names. So if you can get the first names, that will be cool. No, I don't I don't know. I got nothing. It's actually uh Todd and Margot. Todd and Margot, okay. Yeah, I think she says something at one point. She's like, What about this, Todd? Yeah, yeah. And then he's like I don't know, Margot. Yep, you're right. Their last name is Chester, which I didn't know that. Wow. Is that even ever mentioned? Yeah, I, I, I'd I have to rewatch it. it. I don't know if they ever say that. Huh. So I was like, okay. I mean, first names would have worked. But yeah, they do actually have a scene where they kind of go back oh, and forth they, with their yeah. names. Yeah, you're right. Um, This is my last question. Okay. And it is about the original Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. What real life event did Edmund Green uh, or Edmund Gwen, who played Santa Claus, attend as the movie character Chris Kringle? This is a guess, too. I mean, so I, I uh, wait a minute. Hang on. I was going to say, did he go to uh, a mall as Santa? But now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably the parade. Yep. Edwin Gwen, uh, Gwen dressed up as Santa Claus for the 1946 Macy's Day Parade. And yeah, that's I actually how to they get filmed those, him. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, that's probably how they had to get some of those shots. Just send him out there and Good job. get as much as you can have him yeah. read whatever lines you can get in and try to make it work. And then if you got to get some tight shots and on lot later, you do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So let me ask you one more question here. I'm going to ask you two questions. All right. Do so it. first one's from home alone, which actor quit the movie over a salary dispute? Hmm. Are they still featured in the movie? Yes, they return. They're, 
they just have a diminished role? No, they return to the role. So it's one of the people from the movie. Um, Joe Pesci. I don't know. It is actually Daniel Stern. Okay. Dan, oh. Dan Roebuck took over the role, but Stern eventually returned. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know the uh, actual numbers or the negotiations behind that, but man, what a different movie it would have been if he wasn't in it. That would have like him and Pesci are so amazing. Their, you know, chemistry. Yeah. We'll so come back around really nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Yeah, because kids are scared of the dark. You're afraid of the dark too, Marv. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Not, not, not. You know, well, if you actually think about it, though, like in the first one, like I think in the second one, the the sticky bandits, uh, kind of works in in the sense of them being robberies. But the wet bandits, if you really think about what an asshole move that is to rob a house and then flood it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's like a real dick move. Yeah, I was going to say. And I mean, even move. he calls him out on it, right? Yeah. He's like, that's a mean thing to do. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> You're sick. Why would you? That's yeah. a sick thing. To do. <laughs> yeah, it's a sick thing to do. Yeah, like I, I thought about it watching the movie and I was like, that really is like really messed up that you're going to rob somebody during the holiday season, which is just a kind of to take it up a notch. Just the yeah. And then you're going to flood their house. I'm like, <laughs> that you're a real dick. You deserve to go to jail. I think, you know, <laughs> obviously if you rob houses, I, you deserve to go to jail, but like if you're going to flood houses too, like you got to go. Yeah. So, okay. Two more questions, both All from right. elf. Okay. This one, I, I think you'll get this. And then the, the next one we'll see what song do Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel sing in the bathroom? Uh, baby. It's cold outside. Correct. And in elf, what is considered the first rule of the code of the elves? Treat every day like Christmas. Yes, you nailed it. <laughs> All right. I wasn't good. keeping score, but you are more festive with holiday movies than I am. I uh, it's just because I'm wearing the Santa hat. That's why. <laughs> so, well, that was a lot of fun. It was cool to do some Christmas trivia. I know we've actually talked about quite a few of these movies over the last few weeks. And yeah. now to do some trivia was was pretty cool. So yeah. that actually that does it, CP, for our final episode of the christmas season this year yeah and almost our so, final episode of 2022 i know it's it's crazy man it, you know everything just flew by before you know it you're like the holidays are about to be over but we still have about a week uh, you know six and a half days left until christmas so i hope you get a chance to live it up eat some candy canes make some gingerbread houses i highly doubt you're going sledding but to all of our Midwest and listeners in the rest of the country. If you can go sledding, do it. CP, here's a fun fact. Apparently, there is a cold storm coming in over the Midwest on Friday, Christmas Eve Eve. And the temperatures predicted for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are negative one and negative five. Oh my gosh, dude. I I'm so jealous. Yeah, so it's going to be so really, jealous. really cold. That's that's going to be a, a real Christmas. Yeah, and there is a likelihood, I think it's Christmas Eve Eve on Friday, that there will be some snow. Oh but my check this out. It's wild. On Friday, the temperature will start out in the Midwest at 40 degrees. And by 9 p.m., it'll be negative one. 
Oh my gosh, dude. Now 40's still like out here in Southern California, that's still pretty chilly. But the difference, you know, 40 degrees is wild. Like you think about it going the other way. If you're in 40 degree weather and then you go to 80, you're like, that's insane. <laughs> now imagine going even colder. It's going to be wild. Holy cow, dude. Yeah. So to all of our uh, you know listeners across the country, hopefully you guys stay warm. Really enjoy your holiday seasons. Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope you have a, you know, a great time. It's my favorite time of the year. And wish me luck on getting that tree up. You know, <laughs> that's my wish. Christmas wish. Let me get a tree up. That's the dream. I I, I can't imagine not having a tree. Not me. Either. I can imagine. I, I can't even imagine Helson. I can't believe you didn't. You haven't had one so far. Like this is like. That's oh, wild. Th- like, I, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. And if anyone ever said, will there ever be a Christmas that does that D-Man does not have a trip? I'd be like, no, absolutely no way. I'd bet yeah. everything I have on 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 a no there. So I'm sure. Well, wish me luck. I'm going to try to get one up. So, all right. All right. Well, everybody, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you really enjoyed the podcast this week. Obviously, we hope you guys have a great holiday season, but be sure to continue the conversations. And to do that, you can find all of our social media links and all the episodes of the podcast at filmmakerscompass.com. You can follow me at Big Kid Demon and CP. You can follow me at IndyCal5. Thank you for checking us out keep watching movies and we'll see you back here next week as we talk about new years all right merry christmas everyone